number 49 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about the Muppet Christmas Carol on your No Cheeses for Us Mises podcast. I'm Andy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. Merry, like, 10th of December? <laughs> the 10th of December is a Sunday, it's, so... Uh, 13th. 13th. Okay. 13th. 12th. 12th. Merry 12th of December, Mandy. Merry 12th of December to you too, Matthew. <laughs> Uh, we are we are well on our way towards Christmas now, so we have the second of our uh, Christmas season. I think we probably at this point don't need to remind anyone that we both quite love Christmas. I'm fairly sure everything that's gone on on Twitter and all the pictures of decorations and things, people are pretty aware of our feelings on Christmas. Well, I'm not sure people really know. <laughs> they need to be visited <laughs> by by three podcasting spirits to show them the podcasting meaning of Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> I can guarantee you, though, there will be many more pictures and tweets and Facebook posts about Christmas because Christmas is amazing and it's pretty and I love it. Excellent. Um, We are covering a film based on A Christmas Carol and I almost dove into this conversation last week. You you probably heard that I had to pull myself back at one point when talking about Christmas movies Um, because... I started talking about how this is this is the thing. I love A Christmas Carol. It is one of my favourite stories in general. It's immaculately told. It's funny. It's clever. It's heartwarming. It does wonderful things. There are some amazing adaptations out there. Um, so I'm quite excited to be able to cover at least one of them. What are your feelings on A Christmas Carol? Okay, I think this is the time that I need to come clean. And admit okay. that I have... I hate Christmas. It's all a ruse. <laughs> no. I have never actually read A Christmas Carol. And okay. when I was uh, looking up stuff after I watched this movie, I was genuinely surprised to find out that it was a novella and not a full-length novel. Mm. Told across five staves. It's, it, even like that structure of it is, is really clever because it is a carol and... He uses the spirits to keep the story going. But in general, I mean, I'm very familiar with the story. I have seen um, various adaptations and mm. movies and TV retellings of it and, and other movies and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so this was something that I came into wholeheartedly knowing what the story was going to be that, that we were watching. Um, and, and so... Okay. Yeah, that's where I am on that. Um, so there are, like you say, there are a lot of adaptations of A Christmas Carol, some of which are great, some of which are not so great. Do do you have any that stick out in your mind? The adaptation that actually made me realize I really do like the story behind A Christmas Carol was the 2009 film where Jim Carrey played Ebenezer Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know why, but I absolutely love that movie. I watch it every year since it came out, or well, almost every year. And anytime I see it just on TV, I will stop and watch it. 
I don't know why it engages me so much. I don't know. It might be the cast because it had an incredible cast besides Jim Carrey in that that lead role. But yeah. the animation was fantastic and it was just good. I have not seen that adaptation. I probably should. I definitely recommend it. If it's if it's that it's good. It's that good yeah, to yeah. me. Um, How about that? Okay. <laughs> the the one that I remember from my childhood watching, and I think part of this is because it's like half an hour long, is Mickey's Christmas Carol. Okay. Which actually has Scrooge McDuck as Scrooge. <laughs> which is perfect <laughs> in and of itself. But is is very obviously kid friendly. So that's very okay. good. Okay. Yeah, I have not seen that one. I don't think. Yeah. There is a version called Scrooge from 1951 with Alastair Sim, who is a phenomenal actor. And this is one of those, he was almost born to play this role eventually in his life. Uh, that's that's a really good proper adaptation. Um, there is one that I watch most years that, that I will link to in the show notes called 1200 Ghosts. It's about an hour long, but a chap took a year of finding every adaptation he could. In fact, he finds 400 versions of A Christmas oh Carol. And he tur- he turns them into a supercut, effectively, of all the different moments going through it. So you have him reading out the narration from the sort of quasi-Batman comic that does this. He- he's got the that 2009 version. He's got the Alistair Sim version. He's got the Hallmark versions of it. He's got one that was, I think it's called, like, Carol at Christmas. And it's about a woman who runs a department store. Yes. Being haunted, he's got um, some film with Martin Lawrence as Scrooge, but he's okay. kind of head of a family in a strange way. He's got uh, what appears to be an erotic version of it. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> um, it's really good. It is so solid just to watch all these different ways that people have done it. And and cartoons, the, the SpongeBob SquarePants does it, the Rugrats do it, all this kind of thing just intercutting it together and every so often he just has sort of five or six different versions of the same line because it's such a pivotal line mm-hmm. yeah i will link that it is wonderful it, it makes me very happy <laughs> oh i look forward to watching that actually mm. so we're gonna have a proper conversation about the muppet christmas carol uh, i'm gonna give you some history on it it is a 1992 christmas musical fantasy comedy drama film thank you wikipedia um, it was directed by Brian Henson of Farscape fame. It stars all of the Muppet favourites from that time, along with Michael Caine, cast as Ebenezer Scrooge. Sir Caine was considered for the role alongside Ron Moody, Peter O'Toole, David Warner and George Carlin. Before production, he told the director that he would play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything Muppety. I am going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. Apparently Brian Henson said that was perfect. Okay. I think a couple of those people in there, Ron Moody and George Carlin particularly, I can't see them playing this straight. They would have interacted with the puppets a lot more. (laughs) Definitely. George Carlin especially. Yeah. At the point this film was released, it had been eight years since The Muppets Take Manhattan, and the only TV properties in that time with The Muppets were The Jim Henson Hour and Muppet Babies. It is the first full Muppet production after Jim Henson's death, and is the first time that someone different played Kermit the Frog. The Muppet Christmas Carol performed modestly at the box office, despite an incredibly wide release in many theatres. It took $27 million in the US against a $12 million budget. 
that's also the Christmas season that Home Alone 2 and Aladdin were released and dominated, as well as A Few Good Men and The Bodyguard also being released. So there Ooh. wasn't much air in the room for a film like this, I think. Right. That I mean, yeah. those are some big movies to try and come up against. Yeah. Look, Looking at that whole period, I mean, uh, Aladdin particularly. Aladdin was out for something like six months in the end, but even just two, uh, 1992, there were a lot of films that I look at and go, oh, that was solid. That would have taken a, a good amount of money. So it's a shame, but you can't then hold the film back for a year because you've also released Home Alone 2. <laughs> right. Yeah. I never asked you why you didn't watch this. You did not. I was going to ask okay. you if you skipped that on purpose. Yep. Uh, Mandy, how come you've never seen Muppet's Christmas Carol? I was a Muppet Babies girl. And for some reason, being a fan of the cartoon Muppet Babies never really translated into the puppet Muppets for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, honestly. Uh, but this was actually my very first Muppet movie ever. Okay. So I mentioned there Muppets Take Manhattan. You've not seen that? Nope. And you've not seen the two recent ones? There are recent ones? The Muppet movie and the Muppet movie sequel? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what the latest one is called. But Nope. <laughs> okay. If I don't know they exist, I certainly haven't seen it. <laughs> okay. Do you want to give us a brief idea what this film is about? Are there really people who don't know what A Christmas Carol is about? <laughs> I mean, but just in case, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future to try and change his heart. Yeah. And it's probably telling that the word Scrooge means a very particular thing to us now. Yeah, I was actually, when I was trying to write out that synopsis, I was thinking the Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, and I was like, wait, I I can't say that, but that's what he is, but that's who he is. Yeah, it was this whole big debate in my head, and... Yeah, that's yeah. what I came it, up with. It is a synonym for miserly grumpiness. So Absolutely. <laughs> uh, how were you able to watch the film? Uh, it is available on HBO Go here. So if you have a subscription to HBO in the United States, or I assume anywhere, then you can watch it. What about you? Uh, remember last week I bought Christmas Vacation from a secondhand DVD store? Mm, I bought this yep. one at the same time. Yeah, I really need to start going to secondhand stores. <laughs> yeah, I think three pounds for the two of them, something like that. Worth it. Um, however, in the UK, it's also available on Sky. I think it's on Netflix and Amazon as well. So, hooray. I just think it wasn't at the time that I needed to watch it. Fair enough. Which is the 11th of December, obviously. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas in November. <laughs> I'm going to be burnt out by the 1st of December, I'll tell you that. The 1st of December is next week, so you will not <laughs> Yeah, be that's how much I'm into Christmas already. <laughs> okay, so this is your first Muppet film. What were your expectations for it? Because it's a Muppet movie, I was wary, honestly. Because Muppets. <laughs> I mean, that I feel like that's a terrible thing to say, especially coming out of our Farscape viewing earlier this year, but these are different. I mean, Muppets are different from puppets. They're visually different. The style is different. And I just didn't know what to expect coming into it as an adult. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. But what's your, you said you watched Muppet Babies. Do you have any other experience of the Muppets? Does Sesame Street count? Yes, they they are part of the Muppet canon. Yeah. The Muppetverse. 
Right. So, I mean, I have a vague awareness of the actual Muppets, um, probably just from seeing them around and lot, they were, they've been in lots of commercials over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so beyond that, you know, it, it's Sesame Street and Muppet Babies for me. Okay. The big star of this is Michael Caine. So Kermit the Frog, for the first time, is not playing the lead character. What's your experience of Michael Caine? So the list of movies I've seen with Michael Caine in it is longer than I expected it to be. However, it's atrocious when you consider how long his filmography is. (laughs) Because that man has been in every movie ever made since the 60s. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. Um, so I have seen him in the Batman movies. He obviously was Alfred. Um, well, I haven't seen the third one yet, but we'll, we'll get there. Hmm. He was in the prestige, which is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, uh, interstellar inception, Miss Congeniality, which I think was my introduction to him and the cider house rules. And then I kept seeing that he was in bewitched and I forgot that I actually watched that movie because it was a dreadful movie. And I don't yeah. remember him in it, but I did watch it at some point. My brain has just blocked it out. Okay. So you've seen basically everything that Christopher Nolan has done because he cast Michael Caine and everything. Yes. Got it. Okay. <laughs> but key amongst this, you've not seen Zulu, Alfie, The Italian Job, Get Carter. None the, of them. The big young Michael Caine films. Yeah, no. This okay. movie is legitimately the youngest I've ever seen Michael Caine. Okay. And of course, Jaws 4, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. And I was like, that kind of makes me want to watch it. But eh, no. no. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah, we do. I think we have at least one other of his films on the list. So, Okay. We will, we will get to him again eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty good um, yardstick of quality. As much as you say he does everything, there, there are people who do everything and it's not great. Robert De Niro, I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> and there are people who do everything and they, they just seem to pick it well. So, Well, I mean, he did get knighted because of his contribution to cinema. So obviously mm. he did something right. <laughs> yeah. Just talking on Muppets, do you have a favorite Muppet, including Sesame Street? Since I'm allowed to include Sesame Street... Uh, my favorites are Elmo, Cookie Monster, Grover, and Snuffleupagus. Okay. In no particular order. If I have to pick one from this movie, it would be Gonzo and the Rabbit. Okay. <laughs> Not the rat, the rabbit. Okay. Interesting you saying Elmo. Do you remember watching Sesame Street with Elmo? Or is it just the cultural awareness of him now? I'm pretty sure Elmo was on Sesame Street when I watched it. Okay. Was Elmo ever not on Sesame Street? Yes. Okay. He's he's a fairly uh, fairly recent creation, but given how long that show has gone on for, uh, that's not saying anything. I'm trying to look up when, because he he was or no he was originally on in the 70s and 80s, but not as the character that we know him as. And then oh no yeah no into the 90s. He, that's when Kevin Clash took him over and, and gave him the personality and voice that we associate with Elmo today. Yeah, in 1985 is when he started appearing like that. So yeah, I do remember Elmo on Sesame Street. I didn't think okay. I was crazy. You like to make <laughs> I, me I, think I'm crazy sometimes. <laughs> well, I, I thought he was a sort of later 90s creation. So well, we, Maybe we, I, I watched ha- Sesame Street in the 90s. I didn't, <laughs> but I could have, right? 
Okay. Did you enjoy the Muppet Christmas Carols? Sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's a good adaptation of a great story. And so it's hard not to like it, I think. Okay. There are some things that I question. <sighs> I don't know. It's just, at the end of the day, it's a Christmas Carol, and a Christmas Carol is a good story. So I did not like it. I don't know that I would watch it again. Okay, that's fair. I think, yes, it is a good adaptation. There's stuff in it that it does very, very well. And it does adapt well. There's stuff in it that I wish it did differently. But I'm coming from a slightly purist. I, I want to see the story done in certain ways anyway. So I'm a stickler okay. for that. So before we actually get started talking about this movie itself, I think, Matthew, I need a primer on the Muppet world because it really doesn't make sense to me. Considering this is the first Muppet movie I've ever seen, the world building makes absolutely no sense. You've got Muppet people, Muppet Muppets, human people, Muppet horses, real horses, talking Muppet pets, talking vegetables. You've got in the Cratchit house, the pigs are the girls and the frogs are the boys. But then there's this whole other set of people that are also pigs who look completely different from the Miss Piggy pigs and they're boys and girls. And so I just don't know how this world works. Like, it makes no sense. There's no rhyme or reason to anything. Can you please explain this to me? Uh, uh, how to explain the the Muppetverse. Let's go across the Muppetverse. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it's not the easiest thing to explain, but effectively they are people in this world. The Muppets are just other alive animals. For the most part, okay? Certainly when we're talking about Kermit and Elmo and Big Bird and right. Piggy and so on. Yes, they do things with vegetables and horses and so on. It's all for comic effect. In the okay. same way, an another franchise would do it with cartoons, potentially. In here, it's some sort of puppetry. So basically, I just need to go with it and accept it for what it is. Yeah. Okay. There is probably a whole conversation to, to be had about the fact that the girls are the pigs and the boys are the, are the frogs. <laughs> so are they saying that there is a gender line there or something? No, well, it's probably just happenstance. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's the, the other pigs that are clearly pigs, but they look different and they're yeah. boys. So yeah. it's, just a, it's just a thing, I guess. They wanted their family to be Miss Piggy girls and Kermit boys. So I, I will just accept it. That's I guess that's all I can do. For the most part, they are all representative of some other type of animal, but it is now a sentient bipedal animal, generally. Um, Gonzo's the only one who's not. Gonzo is a Gonzo. <laughs> what is a... I don't understand. Uh, he's no a sentient knows. bipedal creature, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, but he's not representative of any particular animal. He's not a frog or a pig. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, neither is animal. That's or fair. beaker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Beacon and Dr. Bunsen are actually people, I think. Okay. Just again, cartoon versions of people. Right, right. Okay. Yes. 
deal with it. I am dealing with it. I just I just needed to know that I wasn't missing something and that this Muppet verse is completely illogical and whimsical. Yes, absolutely. That okay. is the thing with it. And there's representatives of all different sorts of animals. There's a spider. Why is there a spider Muppet? Why? <laughs> Why? Why? I love that scene. I think no. it's so important. The uh, uh, Not even just in this, in the, the tale as, as a general thing. The fact that people are robbing Scrooge. And, and the original story is they are robbing him of the clothes he's going to be buried in and his bed curtains and selling it on. And that's the only people who are uh, showing emotion at his death. Is people profiting from it. So there is this continuing thing of spiders are creepy and sinister and stuff. And that's what I think that scene is leaning into. Because if you need a sinister, creepy thing, you make it a spider. But it's a Muppet. Mm. <laughs> I mean, okay, it wasn't creepy or sinister or even scary. But I just don't do spiders, you guys. <laughs> spiders? <laughs> no. And so a spider Muppet, like, I jumped and was not happy that there was a giant spider muppet even though he was wearing his little suit on all of his eight little legs well not little <laughs> legs because they were big why is it always spiders okay let's talk about this as a proper adaptation of the original story though do you feel it works well i think you've said that you like it as an adaptation maybe that was the wrong thing for me to say <laughs> i i like parts of it mm. i i the thing about it that really gets me, and you can stop me if I'm actually wrong here, but I don't think I am. In the story, the proper story, when we're shown Scrooge's childhood, yes, he's lonely, but he doesn't hate Christmas. We actually see him later in life enjoying Christmas with his fiance before he becomes miserly. Yep. And by changing that in this adaptation, by making him hate Christmas all the way from the time he was a child until now, then the transformation that he goes through doesn't make as much sense because he's not returning to mm -hmm. something he had once lost. And I, I think that does detract from the adaptation a little bit, or actually a lot bit. <laughs> That's my issue with it as well. Because the, the moral of this is he has become obsessed with the accumulation of wealth and and to the detriment of his feelings towards men or mankind, rather. Whereas when he grew up, he was happy to have fun and join in with the party and he wanted to be with the boys and uh, at school and so on. So, and spend time with his sister, in fact. Yeah, his sister wasn't in this adaptation at all, was she? No, not at all. So, yeah, by, by changing that, they kind of fundamentally change the moral of the story. Yeah, the message is now, you should enjoy Christmas. And if you don't, you are wrong. Five-sixths of the world's population who don't celebrate it. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I just made that a number up, by the way. It's probably much higher. Do you have any thoughts on why? I'm not sure I do, so I'm not setting you up for anything here. But do you have any thoughts on why they would change this in, in making this adaptation? No, I mean, unless unless they were specifically trying to make that the message that you must like Christmas because they wanted to have a positive Christmas message for kids 
or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That doesn't make sense because the real adaptation is definitely a positive Christmas story. So I don't know. The, the only thing I wondered is, are they dumbing it down slightly? Making it a, a little bit more obvious so it's more accessible for children? But the well, the, the moral of the, the film hook is effectively someone who's grown up and lost his joy of youth and find, figures out how to reclaim it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like it's a story that can't be done for children. Right. It doesn't make sense to me. Okay. Unless they needed to save time somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. But there it is. So that's that's a thing. I, I don't think it necessarily takes away from it because there is still a good moral center to it. But I do like the original story that it's about having lost that joy or that caring for other people and regaining it through the visit of the spirits. Yes. Mm. I, I think learning or relearning what you once had is stronger than just watching all of these scenes and then suddenly being a different person. And that's why it's so important, the relationship with Belle, that we see they're introduced at uh, Fuzzy Wig's party in this, um, which is a great pun. Um, <laughs> they're introduced and he falls for her or, or has caring for her to start with. And then we see that that progresses into a relationship and eventually actually he has stopped caring. He is saying, I love you out of, that's what he says to her. But actually she's, her feeling is, no, if we were not together, you would now not pursue me. So it's good that that is included. Like you say, the sister's gone, but that's still there. But she loses a whole chunk out of this film. And there is a (laughs) song that she is given. uh, Love is Gone, I think it's called. Love Mm -hmm. is Gone, Love is Gone. Um, Which was cut from the theatrical version. Utterly cut. (laughs) Like The bit where she says her line and then stands up and sings for like five minutes. And then walks off. And you see uh, Gonzo and Rizzo and Michael Caine crying. The song is cut, but her standing up and her walking past them is still there. And, you, and there's, suddenly they're crying. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was reintroduced for, I think, the video version. It was then, or maybe it wasn't even on that. It was then reintroduced for the DVD version. But only if you watch it in full screen, not if you watch it in widescreen. Interesting. Yeah. So th- there, there is a proper divide here over whether that song should be there or not. I went and looked it up on YouTube mm-hmm. because once I finished watching this movie and I started talking about it on Twitter, people started asking me about this song and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I started worrying that I had like completely stopped paying attention and missed a whole five minute song. <laughs> uh, so I went and looked it up and then I rewatched my version and definitely in the version I watched, the song was not there. It cuts from her line to her standing up and walking away. And so I started listening to the song. I did not finish the song. No, it's stationary. It is just the two of them stood there and you're just seeing reaction shots as she sings. Right. And I... For every other song, except for, I think, the the last one or the next to last one that Scrooge sings, they're all Muppet songs. And so it was weird all of a sudden to have this long ballad sung by just one human woman. Yeah. 
So I'm glad they cut it. It works that he, um, Scrooge is the only one who sings at the end. That it becomes his song once he's into this place. Yeah. We had a, a couple of good comments about this. Like you said, everyone everyone did bring it up pretty quickly. Uh, our, our friend Jan at JLMO said that uh, Muppet Christmas Carol is truly the best interpretation of Dickens. It retains so many lines and humour from the original, plus the songs are brilliant, plus Muppets. <laughs> um, we quickly got a reaction from at Cat Ben Ocean, who said, this is all true. Although I'd quibble that there is one song that is not great. It is important for understanding Scrooge's past relationship. Overall, one of my favourite holiday mo- movies. And they then had a whole conversation about uh, whether they've got a version that's edited out and uh, do they feel like it breaks anything. It it doesn't break it. It just makes that those reaction shots, I think, a little... Oh, they're suddenly crying. That's a bit weird. Uh, See, it didn't, I didn't find it weird, but I wonder if that's just because I'm so familiar with the story. Yeah. That I understood what was going on and I was bringing my own interpretation mm-hmm. and context to it. Because it didn't seem weird to me because I'm like, oh, they just broke up. That's why they're crying. I also uh, discussed this movie several times with uh, Josie from the Stand By Me episode a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about this song specifically and she said that she always fast forwards it. Just just skips this. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Which version have you got? Because, you know, how how are you watching it? <laughs> it turns out she doesn't have a version that has it on or she doesn't watch the version that has it on she's just so used to when bell turns up fast forwarding <laughs> so funny story when i was actually searching for this song on youtube so i could listen to it i found um a youtube video that said here's the right way to watch um love is gone or whatever it's called and so i clicked it because i was thinking oh this is the one that i need to see <laughs> right and <laughs> It's a YouTube video where it's playing and you see her segue line where she says, love is gone or we or whatever she says. And then you can tell this is a VHS that they're recording. <laughs> they're like recording a screen with a VHS and they hit the fast forward button and they just fast forward through the whole thing. And when it's done, they start playing it again. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and I was greatly amused by that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, they got it right. Um, one of the other big differences in this is that Jacob Marley, who was dead to begin with. That's how the story begins, Rizzo. The Marleys were dead to begin with. Oh. Jacob Marley is now Jacob and Robert Marley. I was confused by that at first. But then I realized that I recognized the two grumpy old men who usually sit in the balcony and heckle people. It's Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, I have no idea what their names are. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> but then I really, I mean, that's why they did it, because they wanted a grumpy old man, but you can't have one of those characters without the other. Exactly, yeah. Did it work? Yeah, I think because there were two, those two characters played off of each other rather than Marley and Scrooge playing off of each other, which changed that dynamic a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it still served its exposition purpose. Yeah. I I like their song, but it is a little jarring how... I mean, Marley's supposed to be utterly tortured by this point, and you've got them making jokes and laughing with each other. Right. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe they thought that a kid's movie with a tortured soul was too too deep or too scary? Well, so, so Jacob Marley is not the scariest of 
the spirits. And and what they did no. in this is is they, there was a plan at one point to have the spirits be the Muppets. So I think the spirit of Christmas yet to come was going to be Gonzo, but actually you could only only see his nose coming out of the hood. <laughs> <laughs> that would but not in this, scary. But in, in this, he's very different. He is he is very uh, death or dementor like, depending on your mm-hmm. reference material. But he is not the scariest ghost in this. <laughs> the ghost of Christmas past, <laughs> the lit up young child singing thing. Yeah, it's a little weird. It is weird. I was surprised by it because I. Here's my thought process on this. Cool. And I'm going to circle back around, I promise. So I was watching this and I was thinking, this character looks so out of place because it doesn't look like a Muppet. It's not a human, mm. but it doesn't look like a Muppet. It actually looks a little bit like CGI, which you yeah. don't expect in a Muppet movie from 1992. And so that distracted me. Plus, the voice is a little bit creepy when you've got this ethereal floating thing going on. And... So then I, I did a little bit of reading, and it turns out it actually is a Muppet. There is a Muppet, and they filmed it by submerging it in baby oil mm. and then later water, because apparently the baby oil Weird. was costing too much. <laughs> but but having it in the liquid is what gave it that opaque look and made all the floaty stuff happen, which is a really cool practical effect, but it was creepy. Yeah. Mm. Ah, and that's why it doesn't look like it's got fur in the same way as the rest of them. Right. That's why I didn't Uh, think it was a Muppet. Yeah. I I thought it was like a sort of traditional marionette or puppet or something. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that quite creepy. And I'm not the only one. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, Josie said... um, She was terrified by the Disney Christmas Carol. So Mickey's Christmas Carol that I love. Terrified... Josie. Um, but when her high school buddy showed me this one, I was hooked by the cute bunny and it became a sing-along tradition. But that floating baby ghost thing, man, that's got to go. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Although, if you do watch the 2009 version, they kind of borrowed from that a little bit. Oh, really? Only, it's not a creepy baby thing. In fact, it's like it doesn't have... Like, it's not really a person, but it's definitely this white floaty light up thing. Yeah, it's a candle snuffer, effectively, but you lift it up and it gets all lit up. Yes. Wow, that's that's a really traditional adaptation. I'm going to have to watch that this year. It, it is very traditional, but it's yeah. very good. Because that's one of the things I would imagine they would change in if, if Dickens were to rewrite it. Because it's just so weird, the weird candle thing. Anyway... <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, continuing on, just thinking about it as an adaptation, does it add anything? The fact it's the Muppets. Does it add anything? No. So, I mean, I mean, you've seen Sesame Street, you've seen Muppet Baby, so you do know these characters in some ways, and, and the style of comedy and so on. Michael Caine is the main thing. The new spirits are the thing that take him through his story. The story slightly changed. So, the fact that Bob Cratchit is Kermit and his wife is Miss Piggy and Fizzy wig is now fuzzy wig. Does it add anything? Is it important that this is the Muppet Christmas Carol, or is this just another way of doing the same story? I think that the way they used the Muppets as the primary characters, as the Cratchit family, mm-hmm. as F- Fozzie, Fezziwig, 
whatever his name was. <laughs> I think in those instances, no, it doesn't add anything at all. They could have been replaced by people and it would have been exactly the same. Right. Because they played it very straight. Mm. They're just Muppets. But when you get to the songs, it's kind of important that it was Muppets singing the songs. That's most right. of them. Yeah. But A Christmas Carol doesn't need to have songs either. So, <laughs> I mean, they were nice songs. They were catchy. Um, so do the Muppets add anything to the story? No. But I think they had to do something different in order to make this a Muppet Christmas Carol rather than just replacing characters with Muppets. Okay, got it. Do you do you like the addition of the songs? Some of them. <laughs> Not all of them. I okay. think... The Scrooge song was fun. It was very catchy. But I couldn't, like, go back and sing it. I can't sing any of these songs. Like, this this isn't the way, like, Little Shop of Horrors was. Like, we, we watched that movie, and I immediately went and listened to the soundtrack over and over mm. and over again. I didn't do that with these songs. They were nice in the moment and kind of sweet in some cases. But that's all. Okay. So the the last point then is the thing that I said is is a big part of this film is Michael Caine as Scrooge. Uh, did you enjoy his performance, particularly compared to other other ones that you like? I think this is going to be a very unpopular opinion, but I didn't think he was a very good Scrooge. Mm-hmm. It, he was not super convincing at being miserly because he okay. always he always kind of had a smile in his eyes. And I know that goes against everything that he said he was going to do, that he he said he was going to play it straight. I just mm. don't think he did. I think maybe okay. he tried to, but it didn't come across. He wasn't Scrooge enough for me, honestly. Right. And then when he started changing, because he wasn't super Scroogey to begin with, the change wasn't super... Yes, I did say Scroogey. <laughs> Super Scroogey. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yes, because he wasn't Super Scroogey to begin with, and the change was less dramatic than it should right. have been. So, I mean, that's, that's just, that's where I am on that. I think Michael Caine is a fantastic actor, and I love him in everything else I've ever seen him in, except for maybe Bewitched, but I don't remember him in that. This just didn't really work for me. Okay. Ah, that's interesting. I I can see what you're saying, that he's not necessarily miserly, he's angry. He snaps at people and so on, but without the, possibly the wit of the miser, Scrooge. What, yeah. What I quite enjoy about the difference is that he is not frail and bent and, and weak, which is how Scrooge is quite often portrayed. Yes, um, I didn't he is, even he is, consider he that difference. Stands up, and Michael Caine is a, a fairly broad chap at this point. So, I I quite like that he is a man of business who has had wealth. He doesn't necessarily use it for huge comfort, but he would eat well at the regular tavern that he goes to for his dinner every night, and he does stride across town, so he's probably fairly fit. I never really thought about that because I, in all of the adaptations I've seen, he is a frail old man. Mm. Which which fits for the fact that Marley died seven years before this. Right. 
And also you kind of assume, and, and some of the adaptations kind of show this, and even this one did, uh, the dinner that he ate was a plate of bread and cheese. Yeah. You know, he's so cheap, he's not buying food, good food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense to me that he would be like super thin and frail because yeah. he's too cheap to be healthy. But yes, I like that portrayal in in his look of it. I, I think I agree with you about the miserliness. Because there are uh, there are some very good lines in this. It retains a lot of lines from the original, but he doesn't quite deliver them with some of the sharpness that clearly the very intelligent uh, Scrooge, other portrayals of Scrooge that are very intelligent would do. We had a couple of other people who portrayed Scrooge throughout it. We had the very young Scrooge, and we had the I don't know, not quite middle aged. Growing man, Scrooge. <laughs> I think I called him young adult up. Scrooge in yeah, my young notes. Grown-up Scrooge, but not old Scrooge. Like, you know <laughs> right. what I mean, maybe, possibly. Um, I quite liked young Scrooge, because he is supposed to be a very shy and just retiring boy. Okay. There were a couple things in that scene of young Scrooge that kind of tripped me up a little bit. We already talked about one, changing his love of Scrooge and love of Scrooge, his love of Christmas into a hatred of Christmas right from the beginning. Hmm. But the other thing that just made no sense to me was when his headmaster was telling him about the job that he was going to get. He said, "Mm, You will love business. It is the American way. And then, of course, you know, Gonzo jumps up in his ear and whispers, and then he's like, (laughs) Oh, it is the British way. Good. <laughs> and that line just felt so out of place. Okay. It, it, one, I feel like it's humor that would go over the target audience's head. Like, that's not humor that a child would get. And two, why is it there? <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me. Is he do you have an answer? I do. Okay. I, I 100% have an answer. Not every child will get it, but not every child has been able to watch The Muppet Show at some point in their lives. There are some people who are bereft of Muppets and are not aware of Muppet jokes and are not aware that that is Sam the Eagle, (laughs) who is a great bald eagle and stands for the American way. Okay, so this is just my lack of knowledge of the Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) This is is an almost meta-referential... Just, he loves America and doing American things. America. Guns okay. and stuff. You know. <laughs> well, see, I have no frame of reference for that. Because like I said, this is yeah. literally my first Muppet movie. And and it's interesting. You uh, like the fact that having two Marleys didn't necessarily mean anything to you. I think probably a bit more because Statler and Waldorf are fairly famous in mm-hmm. their own right. Um, but that is purely there to make those jokes. I think the thing with Animal on the drums as well, that is a pure Muppet joke. Yeah, see that one, yeah. I, I've seen things mm-hmm. like in passing or clips. Like it just makes sense to me that Animal would be on... Yeah. The drums, except I forgot his name when I was talking to a friend and I called it Monster and my friend was like, no, you mean Animal. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, That's Kid Monster. Hello, Kid Monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there are things in this that will uh, appeal to children who like Muppets. 
because they are, you know, they, they they like the catchphrases or the standard things. There's a lot of slapstick, slapstick for the Muppets. The uh, Rizzo the Rat falling onto the uh, the spit, turning the turkey, and so on. <laughs> the goose. Oh, at least I landed on something soft and hot. Ooh, 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 ah, ooh, hot, 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 hot. Um, I I did actually reach out to a few friends with children to just to get some thoughts on this because I knew that. Obviously, you and I don't have children. You're coming to this as an adult, so you'll look at it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some uh, very, very nice different bits of feedback. My sister, I was sure this was a favourite of my sister's, and turns out, yes, it is, because she watches four versions of this film, of this story, every Christmas Eve. But this is the first one they watch. Um, she's watched it with my nephew, who loves it as well. Um, he loves the Muppets because apparently they are really funny, Especially Gonzo, and they go on in adventures, and they're singing, which is fair. That is 100% <laughs> accurate. Yes. Uh, at Generosity said that she's only just started watching it recently, but it's a Christmas movie that her kids love, um, and it's still very enjoyable for the parents to watch. The music's particularly nice, as it's not just carols, it's original music. And uh, Josie, uh, she says she does watch this with her, or she hasn't watched this with her five-year-old. So she did watch it. Um, for the record, he didn't even make it through the first watching before he was singing and dancing along and asking to see all the jokes again. He didn't get all the one-liners, but anything that was goofy or muppety or some sort of physical joke or screechy noise, he was into. He loved it. Uh, we fast-forwarded through the lame part with the girl singing the sad love song. We were blessed by Josie with a uh, clip of her son and her talking about this film. So I'm now going to play that for you. I, I, my favorite part was the goats, but not the one that was thin, and not the ones, and not the one that was black, had no face, and I also liked the bunny. You like the bunny? Mm-hmm. The one that went, good king went to stuff the devil, and the feast of Stephen, and the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even, brightly shone the moon that night, don't. What do you want? Uh, any for the song, governor? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was mean. <laughs> I didn't have to throw the wreath at the bunny. I thought you liked the bunny singing. Again. You're so cruel. Again. No, that's mean. You didn't throw the wreath at the bunny. Again. No. <laughs> yes. That's just lovely. Again, again. I think that's my favorite part. <laughs> totally my favorite part. It's so nice. And yeah, that's an ad- absolutely legitimate response to this film because a lot of it is very heartwarming. Um, but also very funny with the with the slapstick and the fact that because these are puppets, you can by and large do anything to them. That's true. Yeah. What's the, the one line? Light the candle, not the tail. Light the lamp, not the rat. Light the lamp, not the rat. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they put Rizzo through a lot of crap in this movie. Yeah. And that's very traditionally Gonzo. He gets a lot of the slapstick himself in the show, so. Mm. Okay. Yeah, okay. and that, that moment of lighting his tail is, is one of my favourites. It it genuinely makes me laugh. And I think because it's not just a big slapstick moment, but it's a legitimate funny response. Hey, 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 light the lamp, not the rat, light the lamp, not the rat. My apologies. I like it. (laughs) 
uh, and we've not really mentioned Gonzo as narrator because um, I was saving him for here because I, I think Gonzo as the narrator is wonderful. It's it's funny because you wouldn't expect him to be Charles Dickens. Um, again, the traditional role for him is doing stupid, crazy, large stunts and very physical stuff. So having him as narrator is, uh, it could be dissonant, but it is very funny. And And it works quite well. I love the bit where the ghost of Christmas future turns up and they talk about it being scary and he, he says, You're on your own, folks. We'll meet you at the finale. Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> I really liked, uh, I think my favorite line there was when Rizzo asked him, how do you do that? Like, how do you know what's going to happen? And he looks at him and he says, I keep telling you, storytellers are omniscient. I know everything. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I thought that was a great line and it made me laugh yes it is very true as well i i also love it's a really small piece but the the spectral transitions quite often you cut from something going on with michael kane um i'm thinking particularly the ghost of christmas present he stood on the bridge Nope, sorry the ghost of christmas past he stood on the bridge and he asks the spirit to, to take him away and leave him and he sits down on on the the side of the bridge, effectively, but it then transitions really smoothly into him sitting back down on his bed, and they they do that a couple of times, so moving him back and forth from whatever the spirits are showing him back into his bedroom. So it's it genuinely is going on in one night, um, and again, that's another thing that the story will probably change. Where the story is supposed to be over several nights, in this one it is just one into the other into the other, and it kind of works quite well. Wait, I have a question about that. Mm. Isn't it written into the story that this all takes place on Christmas Eve night? It is, because it ends up with... um, It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can. Hello, my fine fellow. (laughs) To the... What an intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. No. um, Yeah, so the spirits have done it all in one night. However, when... Marley tells him about the spirits coming. He says, um, uh, the the first comes tomorrow when the bell tolls one. And Scrooge has a, a line back of, Can't I meet them all at once and get it over with? <laughs> but then, then Marley goes on. He says, expect the second one on the next night at the same hour and the third upon the next night when the last stroke of 12 has ceased to vibrate. Oh. So it happens over several nights. But... Then he goes back to it being Christmas morn. Okay. Yes. And there is a wonderful moment where Scrooge wakes up. Uh, effectively, he wakes up and he's confused over what time it is. And he thinks it's chiming 12 midday, except that it's dark. And he starts going through this whole consideration of like, if there's no sun, how do we tell time? How do we tell days? Wait, but if I have to pay someone back in three days, I never have to pay them back. This is going to be good for my contracts. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, in slightly more old-fashioned humour. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But it does work quite well, just being the three spirits will come and visit you tomorrow night. And then they come and visit him. Right. And and I like the way they transition between them. It's always very nice. And the the gradual ageing of the Ghost of Christmas present. We've not really mentioned him. But you do see him ageing as the year is going on. Yeah, I forgot that happened. Like, I was surprised. I'm not sure if that happened in the adaptations I'm most familiar with. Mm. It probably did. 
but it was very, very noticeable yeah. in this because it, it didn't just happen overnight. It was a gradual change. Mm. It's nicely done. There was a, a strange bit with the Ghost of Christmas Present where the spirit brings out the children of hunger and ignorance or something, I think it is. Yes, that was not in this. No. Ignorance and want, yeah. That's a very harrowing moment, I'll tell you that for a fact. I so, agree with you. Yeah. So, Mandy, do you have any favorites from this? There were a few things that jumped out at me. Uh, my f- my favorite favorite is what I have dubbed the Jazzy Rabbit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when when the rabbit first showed up on the screen, you know he he knocks on the on Scrooge's door and then he starts singing. You know, Good King Wenceslas. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feet of Stephen. All the round about, deep and crisp and even. Brightly shone the moon that night. Oh, <clears throat> and, you know, Scrooge is just being Scrooge. And he just stops. My first thought when I watched this was, that's, like, that bunny is Jazzy. <laughs> 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 and it, that's not going to make sense to anybody who doesn't know Jazzy, and I understand that. But then I found out that she loves the bunny, and she had t- tweeted to us about the bunny. And then we got the clip that you guys just heard, and she sings <laughs> the bunny song. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen, and the snow lay round about deep and crisp and even, brightly shone the moon that. In exactly the way I expected her to sing the bunny song. That's how I heard it in my head when I watched the the bunny. And so that's the Jazzy Rabbit now. So Jazzy, I'm sorry. It's always going to be the Jazzy Rabbit. Like, it's just all of these little intersections in my life that probably (laughs) mean nothing to anybody else. But it made me laugh and I really liked it. That is a very practiced impression. I can can see quite how much she uh, grabbed onto it when she watched this. And then I did like the the other music. You know, the opening mm. Scrooge song was catchy and it had lines like no cheeses for the Mises, <laughs> you know, which makes me laugh. That's great. Um, but I think my favorite song in the movie was One More Sleep Till Christmas. Mm-hmm. It was sappy and it was sentimental. And that's exactly how I count time to things I'm excited about. So on Christmas Eve, I literally do say there's one more sleep till Christmas. And, you know, if I'm getting to see my mom or my mom and I are going on vacation or whatever, it's a countdown of how many sleeps there are. And so that just really, really spoke to me. Yeah. Our listeners who are teachers are definitely uh, aware of that. All my teacher friends are like, this many get-ups until summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, one more sleep till Christmas is a wonderful song. It is. It is one of the best sentimental Christmas songs. Christmas songs are so often you know, walking around the Christmas tree. We're having a party. Isn't Christmas great? Little Saint Nick, uh, Frosty the Snowman, things like that. Mm-hmm. This is a great Christmas song that captures that sort of childhood joy of oh my god, it's almost Christmas. I just have to go to sleep, and then I'm going to sleep, and it's going to be great, and it's all nice, and it's so cold outside, but I'm inside in the warm, and my mum's giving me a big cuddle, and it's just nice and happy. Um, the 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 filming of it where they come across the penguins sliding about on the ice, mm-hmm. I love that because again, 
the original text has a wonderful moment where uh, Bob Cratchit is finally let go for the day, and he said, and he's told he can he can have the day off, but he needs to come back earlier the following day to get on with work. Uh, the the line is that he um, the office was closed in a twinkling, and the clerk, with the long ends of his white comfort, comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no greatcoat, went down a slide on Cornhill at the end of a lane of boys twenty times in honour of it being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt. <laughs> so the slide is effectively a long stream of ice in Cornhill, which is around the corner from my office at work. <laughs> okay <laughs> and just this thing that he's just come out and there's boys sliding back and forth on the ice so he slides back and forth on the ice about 20 times <laughs> yeah <laughs> see and that's childhood joy at christmas that's someone who who does keep christmas in his way and i, I okay. love that they have penguins doing it i love that you have kermit doing it and then gonzo and rizzo decide to do it great <laughs> I like it when you like things a lot because you gush and it's wonderful. <laughs> and then he runs home to Camden because he lives in the trendy part of London. It probably wasn't quite so trendy at that point. Yeah, that, but, I have but, to say, though, that that scene of Kermit walking was slightly disturbing. Okay. You're just not supposed to see Kermit's legs, like okay. not holding him up. It's just weird. So, so that's been the posters for the last couple of films is showing them all walking towards the camera. It's weird. Yeah. That's yeah, all I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah. On the Camden point, anyone who follows me on Twitter, my uh, Twitter avatar was taken in Camden. Well, aren't you Mr. Fancy Pants? Damn right I am. <laughs> I'm going to change it before this episode comes out anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about The Muppet Christmas Carol? I don't think anything on this film, but this now leads us into lots of other options. Um, so there are many, many, well, there's not many, many, there are a number of other Muppet movies. So there's a couple before this. Uh, there's uh, two or three, I think, after this, and then there's two or three in the sort of modern franchise. Okay. Do you have any interest in seeing them? Do I have to? You don't? So I was I was texting my friend last night that I had to watch this movie, and I actually texted, I have to watch The Muppet Christmas Carol. And he texted back, in all caps, you mean you get to. <laughs> and then I said something like, this is my very first Muppet movie, blah, blah, blah. And again, in all caps, he texted back, you have to watch the original Muppet movie. So there's that. I, I Okay. There's at least one person who's excited about me maybe watching the original Muppet movie. The, the original Muppet movie came out before you were born. And nothing good I, came I out before aware. you were born. <laughs> so the, for the most part the other Muppet movies are played a bit different because like I said Michael Caine played this as though they weren't Muppets so he interacted with them with them normally but with everyone else it's, it is a little bit more jokey uh, the, okay. the the most recent one had uh, the chap from How I Met Your Mother Jason oh, something or other Jason Segel Yes, as, as one of the main guys and, and a number of other people along that vein. Oh, wasn't Amy Adams in that? I think Amy Adams was in it. Let's have See, I do know about this movie. I just Amy Adams, Chris Cooper, Rashida Jones, Jack Black, Zach Galifianakis, Jim Parsons, wow. Alan Arkin, Kristen Schaal, Donald Glover, Sarah Silverman. Okay, were they all in it as people or were they Muppet voices? No, they were as, as people. 
Uh, All of those people were in it as people, then I want to see it. There's one in there who I, that doesn't quite apply to, but fine. <laughs> but quite often, some of these people are also playing themselves. Okay. So they are legitimate cameos. Right. Um, it's quite fun. It does uh, quite a nice story. That That's one that's okay. I was also going to mention the follow-up to this. So the next film released after this is Muppet Treasure Island, uh. which tells the story of Long John Silver and Jim Hawkins. Uh-huh. Uh, stars Kevin Bishop as Jim Hawkins. I don't know. No who idea is. who that is. No, I don't know who that is. He's, he's not. Oh, he's British. He's from Orpington. Um, it stars Jennifer Saunders, who is a very funny comedian. It also stars as Long John Silver, Tim Curry. Really? Yes. You're going to make me watch this movie, aren't you? Just because it has Tim Curry in it. With a beard. <laughs> Alrighty then, I will prepare myself. So, perhaps not one to put on the list, but that might be one to say, yeah, stick it on sometime. I can't sure. remember it, so, I, so I'm not telling you that it's great or anything. But, you know, it's got okay. Tim Curry in it, so how bad could it be? I imagine that we're going to have a flurry of, of tweets at us telling us, of course it's fantastic. You have to watch it. <laughs> Don't let me down, guys. The one after that, Muppet from Space, I think that's the only one I've seen at the cinema. That I remember. There's a Muppet Mu- Mu- in Space movie? Muppets in Space. No, sorry. Man, Muppets from Space. Oh, from Space. Sorry. Huh. I got that the wrong way around, which is, ooh, Jeffrey Tambor, Pat Hingle, Rob Schneider, Andy Medell, Gary Owens. Ooh. Pass. Mm, yeah, perhaps not. <laughs> okay. So that's that's the future Muppet films that could be on there. Uh, there was a, a direct comparison with this and Space Jam that occurred to me. When, when I was thinking about how do I explain Muppets to, to Mandy, I thought, well, they're kind of like cartoons. And I can kind of reference it in the same way I would Who Framed Roger Rabbit or Space Jam. But I'm not sure that you've seen Space Jam. I believe I can fly. <laughs> yes, I have seen Space Jam. Okay, that's okay then. Good. <laughs> I have not, however, seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I don't think you mentioned Space Jam when we've talked about Bill Murray movies. And that's a great Bill Murray movie. I did when we talked about Ghostbusters, but I said I didn't remember him in it because okay. I was like 10. No, I wasn't 10. I was I was in middle school when Space Jam came out. And I've only seen it once. Okay, got it. For a couple of, refer- couple of um, recommendations from left field, have you seen Avenue Q? I have not, but I really, really want to. Oh, you really want to. I really do. <laughs> I, th- I think only Les Miserables is the the live theatre production that I've seen more than Avenue Q. It sucks to be you on Avenue Q. Okay. Because it's wonderful. <laughs> I am hoping it comes back now that I, I do season tickets to the mm. theatre here every year now. And it was here like four years ago, and I just started doing season tickets last year. So I'm hoping it comes back. Yeah, it's due for in the next a year or so. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. If if it like if I ever do go and see something on Broadway, and that's one that might be. Oh yeah, that might be one. I think maybe only Hamilton and, and Les Mis could top that. <laughs> okay. Um, and for two other recommendations, I I have two documentaries to reference to to tell you to watch. One is uh, I am Big Bird which is the story of the chap who uh, kind of created and was Big Bird for the most of his life, Carol Spinney. I'm going to check that because I'm not sure that's his name. Okay. 
<laughs> yes, I am Big Bird, the Carol Spinney story. It's a, a really good documentary about someone who commits his life to doing this, about the understudies and, and the, the production of it, but just the details about how you play that character for so long and what he goes through and interacting with other people when he has to be Big Bird. I would recommend watching it. Okay. So the, the And the other one to recommend, which is Being Elmo, A Puppeteer's Journey, which is about Kevin Clash, who created and, and was Elmo for many, many years. Um, it's a, a wonderful documentary, again, about the development of a character, about performing as this thing. It's really interesting to watch, particularly because Elmo became such a cult sensation, almost, um, seeing him being Elmo and interacting with children. I mean, I... I cried at moments in this film it was so good no that's a ringing endorsement mm. okay that i don't really watch documentaries ever but that actually kind of makes me want to watch that one mm. they, they were both really good um i would point out that you didn't used to previously watch any films particularly <laughs> particularly old films and, and you now like one or two of them so you know Touché. maybe possibly okay all right i deserve that I absolutely deserve that. Okay. Oh, we should do a documentary season. We should definitely do a documentary season. Hey, people, tweet at us. Documentary season. It's in your hands. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I Save love me, a good documentary. People. You know, honestly, I probably would too. But the only documentaries I've ever seen were ones that were forced upon me in school. Okay. So, yeah. I went on a holiday to vancouver a few years ago and they had the vancouver documentary festival on while i was there i went to see a movie about boredom and it was really interesting that doesn't sound right but okay yeah it was really good because boredom is a, a ridiculous concept for animals to create but we have boredom it was really <laughs> <Okay>. interesting <laughs> all right <laughs> okay i'm gonna be adding more documentaries to the list that's for damn sure all right. I am I've got some documentaries in my future. Nice. Okay. So Matthew, I think we had some more feedback from other listeners specifically about this movie. Yes, this was clearly a big favorite of a number of people. Uh our friend Carrie at We Do Words. This is one I've come to appreciate and maybe love as an adult, thanks to my partner's love for it. Although a small part of me always just wishes it was the John Denver Muppets Christmas special. I had no idea there was a John Denver Muppets Christmas special. Yeah, there's a 1979 special, John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas Together. Interesting. Okay. It sounds as good as A Christmas Prince, frankly. <laughs> a Christmas Prince was a dang good movie. <laughs> sure, I will Jan. die on that hill. <laughs> I will die on that hill. I love a good romantic comedy set at Christmas. But uh, yeah, Carrie finished off with still, I think it's my favorite holiday movie that I also don't think is terrible. That good? makes me think she has favorite <laughs> holiday movies that she does think is terrible. So Carrie, yeah. I would like to hear more about this, please. <laughs> and we heard from uh, at the underscore Becca Ella. I love this movie. It was one of the Christmas movies on a loop at my house. I always like the Muppets and seeing familiar characters tell a different story is fun. Also, all my kids will watch it without whining. Any, that is anything definitely a peace, ringing right? endorsement. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and just to add, like, your text conversation at Generosity said that um, she sent a text to her partner about us wanting feedback and to no thoughts on, on this. And the reaction was that it was an awesome idea, uh, obviously, because they were happy. It means they get to watch it again. Okay. People get to watch it. They don't have to watch it. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank you to everybody who gave us comments for this movie. If you would like to have your thoughts featured on the show, you can use hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. You can also email us using podcast at eloquentgushing.com, or you can leave us a voice message at speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing. And I really, really love when we get to hear your voice. So please leave us a voice message. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. We are 100% funded by listeners like you through our Patreon page. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, gives access to exclusive content like outtakes, extra shows, bonus thoughts on other movies that we've seen, and it helps to support the network and develop new shows. To find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And don't forget to visit the homepage, eloquentgushing.com, where you can get access to our newsletter to get news and announcements about all our shows and links to the different shows that we do on Eloquent Gushing. Mandy's just launched her new show, Southern Fried Pop Culture. And I loved it. It was so much fun hearing you guys get into all the details. It was just wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about season three of Parks and Recreation on episode number 50. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And God bless us, everyone. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing. I guess. <laughs> yes!